0: Good morning. Those are great songs, Nick. You always do a good job. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We've been studying the book of Hebrews for a while and we're nearing the end then we only have one more chapter after this, chapter 12. <clears throat> the church that he's writing to is a small house church that has gone through a lot, and he's writing to encourage them. They have been tempted to go away from the Lord Jesus because of the trials and situations they're facing. And throughout the whole letter, of course, he has been showing how Jesus is superior. To the Old Testament law and the Old Testament priesthood and everything else, and in chapter twelve, he is now beginning to tell them to run the race with endurance. We looked at that last week. Um, listen, if you want, if if you want to have anything of value, it's going to take work, right? We were pushed yesterday at a at a good hike. It wasn't, it wasn't the Himalayas, but um, <laughs> if, you want to, if you want to grow and mature in the Christian life, it's going to take struggle. Amen? Yep. I mean, it's going to take struggle. Um, if you want to train for a marathon, you're going to have to run a lot of miles and suffer the pain of the training in order to be able to finish that race. And he is using this illustration of that in chapter 12. Uh, We looked at the first three verses. Let me just read those real fast. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, that would be Hebrews 11, surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame, like he thought nothing of the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and fainting in heart. He's using Jesus as your illustration, as a person to look to. Now, in verse 4, he says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. What does that mean? That means you got to take sin seriously. Man, we don't do that today, do we? No. We kind of, we're just verily, we're just kind of path. It's all grace. It is grace, but grace teaches me to not deny ungodliness. Amen? Right. You have not even shedded blood in your, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. You even taking the sin that seriously? That's that's a lesson for me and for many of us of taking sin seriously. Obviously, uh, for that. In fact, look at chapter five. Go to chapter five. We're just kind of like getting warmed up here. Okay, we're just getting warmed up. Chapter five. This is uh, something we looked at before, but this idea of suffering and resisting and and uh, of of staying the course. Uh, we see this in the sun, and in chapter five. Look at verse 7. Check this out. Chapter 5, verse 7. It says, He, in the days of his flesh, offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. That's Jesus, during his life, prayed so intensely. Loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Look at this. Although he was a son, verse 8, Hebrews 5, 8. Although he was a son, he learned what? Obedience. Obedience, how? Through suffering. suffering. Oh, that really goes against my flesh, doesn't it? I want the easy Christianity. I don't want the hard Christianity. I want that you just tell me, and I got it signed up, and I'm coasting, and da-da-da. And he's like, he learned, he learned obedience. This is the Son of God through the things which he suffered. The suffering was God's tool to mature him. Look what it says in verse 9. And having been made perfect, that means spiritually mature, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. So when I go back to, go back to Hebrews 12, so when he says you have not resisted to the point of, of shedding blood and you're striving against sin, we have an example of Jesus who shows us the intensity of resisting sin. Now sin in this context, of course, is the sin of turning away, right? But any sin... So if you want to grow and mature in the Christian life, it's going, to, it's going to endure struggle and suffering, and you won't grow unless you and I won't grow unless we endure some suffering. Now here's the question that happens: when you suffer, oftentimes you say, "What did I do wrong, right? Yep. Where's God? How many of you guys have done that? I've got, you're, you're in the midst of suffering and you can't explain it and you're like, "God, where'd you go?" Have you asked that question before? All the time. Because we equate suffering with God's negligence. We equate suffering, oftentimes, with God's distance, don't we? And if we're in the suffering, we figure out, well, who, what, what happened so I can get out of this? What did I do wrong? And I think that's what the, the Hebrew writer is anticipating, what they're asking He says in verse 5, Have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? You think that God has has rejected you because you're suffering. You think that God has disowned you because of suffering. And he says to them, Have you forgotten the word that's spoken to you that he's addressed to you as sons? Now he's going to quote from, actually from the book of Proverbs chapter 3. He says, My son... Do not regard lightly the, the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he flogs every son whom he receives. Now, I think I just lost half of y'all, which is when I said the, 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 the very dangerous D word, discipline. Because many of us, when we think of the word discipline, what comes in your mind? Spanking. I think... Spanking, right? When I think of discipline I think I think spanking. Okay. And it's hard to get that image out of your mind. It's hard to fight against it. Now that's okay, that's that's there's that's in the equation somewhere, okay? Let's just not deny that. Okay. And most of us here are are adults and we can think back to key times in our life when <laughs> when mom or dad, <laughs> you know. But this this word discipline has a lot more meaning than just date spanking. In fact, uh, there's a range, and there's a there's a, the, um, it's 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 the the, the word discipline means uh, it's it, it comes from the word child, and it means child training in, in the Greek to train your child to instruct them. As a parent, you do whatever you can to instruct them towards maturity. Right. Towards behaving and living, and so you you discipline them. But not all discipline is spanking. Some, so it's instructional. So the so the word here is you have uh, the word is is a word that means to provide instruction in order to uh, put proper habits in the child. It means child training is really what the word means. It means guidance for responsible living. Um, It means uh, whatever you have to do to educate them to walk properly, so it 's not always a whack in the bottom. It's sometimes it's like, "Hey, hey, turn left here, turn right here. Hey, what you did here that was wrong let 's this is the right way to do it right um, and so discipline, of course, it includes that, but it also includes verbal instruction. So you think about the discipline lord it's it 's all encompassing it 's whatever God has to do to produce in you the maturity to walk. Righteousness, right? Um, so he says. He says. Uh, he says. First of all, the, the the fact that you're being disciplined is actually proof of relationship. He calls you sons. Look what he says, here. He says sons like six or seven times. He you have forgotten the exhortation, verse five, which is addressed to you as sons or ch- children. Let's include sons and daughters, right? But sons. My son, don't regard it lightly. Verse six. Uh, uh, he loves everyone. He he disciplines when he flogs. Uh, verse 7, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you don't have discipline, verse 8, you're illegitimate and not, children, not sons. Right? So there's this relationship that God so cares about you that he's not going to let you get away with anything. Right? that he is going to instruct you. Now, not all discipline is corrective. There's three kinds of discipline, okay? Three kinds. There is the corrective kind, right? Um, and that's the kind that you did something, and you know it, and you got the instruction to do it differently, right? In the Scripture, you have various kinds. First of all, you have David and Bathsheba, right? And David kills Uriah, his, her husband, and the discipline was they lost the child. Prophet Nathan kind of says, "Hey, you know, and uh, you know, child can be going to I me. Mean, Moses, who is instructed by God to 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 oh, go, go 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 to Numbers, go to Numbers, uh, chapter twenty, I think it is. Might as well just show you that. Numbers, Numbers 20. <clears throat> um And verse 11. Numbers 20. Then Moses raised his high hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came... Um. Actually, look at verse 8. Sorry, verse 8. God's instruction to Moses was, take the rod, you and your brother, assemble the congregation, and speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. That it may yield water. Okay? And Moses had a little bit of a temper problem. He had a little bit of an anger problem. So, then he goes, verse 9, Moses took the rod from the before, before Yahweh, the Lord, just as so he had commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water out for you out of this rock? get the little tone there, right, from Moses. Moses, speak to the rock. Listen, you rebels, shall we? So he then verse eleven, he raises his high hand, struck the rock, rock twice. The first time it didn't work. Second time Okay. And with that with the rod, and water came forth abundantly, and the congregation And there be strength. Then Yahweh, the Lord, pulled Moses aside. He says, Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I am given to you. Basically, Moses, you're not going to make it into the promised land. Now, Moses had a high responsibility, right? And his responsibility as leading the people was to shepherd them. And as he shepherded them, he represented. God to the people when and when he got angry and impatient and did what he did, God says, "You misrepresented me." Moses, that's not how I am. So because of that, you're not going to make it in. Now he does make it in later on the Transfiguration. He meets with Jesus at the Promised Land, but he doesn't get to lead him in. That, uh, that's corrective punishment. That's a corrective punishment. Um, I mean, there's other kinds of examples. Ananias and Sapphira, the book of Acts. Um, Look at 1 Corinthians 11. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 11. Another example of... uh, This is interesting. This is dealing with the Lord's Supper. in, In the church at Corinth, when they got together, they liked to throw a party. They liked to celebrate, you know, and they got a little out of control there. And in chapter uh, 11, verse, well, first, look at verse 20. Um, he talks about how there's divisions in their church. And then he goes in verse 20 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, when you meet together in the same place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one takes his own, his own supper first, and one is hungry, another is drunk. And he says, Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? You know? Skip on down to verse 30. For this reason, um, talks about when he they. I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Verse twenty-seven: for Whoever eats, eats uh, the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be get guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Paul's like, listen, this is this is serious stuff here. Uh, but a man must test himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eat, drink, eats and drinks drinks uh, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number asleep. That means they're dead. That's corrective punishment because of how their attitude of taking the Lord's Supper. Okay? That's why when we do the Lord's Supper, I, maybe I should put a little word up saying, hey, uh, take this seriously because this is, is not, you know, this is, you know. And obviously it's... it's um, it's just an example I'm trying to show of this corrective punishment, so yes, God does that with us and sometimes there's a corrective. How do I know if I'm being correctively punished? it's a specific sin it's never nebulous. I feel bad all the time. it's like no, you said this, you did this, and there's a god you know gives you a little nudge it'll give you hey you know, you talk to your wife in a bad way, you can call up and apologize, you know you were impatient with your you know your your son or your daughter. And you know the Holy Spirit convicts that to you, you know, and so you do something with that. And that's corrective. Why? Because you're going to make it right. You're going to address them and say, "Hey, I was wrong, the way I did said this or did this to you. We you forgive me. I want to make it right." That's corrective, right? The idea is to bring correction. Okay, that's the first kind of of discipline. Okay, so I said there's three kinds, right? That's the first kind. Second kind is preventative. There's a suffering that some of us and many of us have gone through. That's preventative. It's not because we did something wrong. It's more God is pre- is working in us. See, when when, when God allows suffering in our lives, it's it's sort of it purifies it. it it's like um, it's like the the person creating the metal. He turns up the heat to to purify. You know, and there's a there's a preventive kind. There's, look at Second uh, Corinthians 12. This is an example of a preventive kind uh, of of discipline. 2 Corinthians 12. And he says, uh, verse 2, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows, but such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows he was caught up into paradise, and he heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in weaknesses. Basically, the man is Paul himself. When Paul, we think that when Paul was stoned in Book of Acts, he went to heaven, saw visions, heard things. But then he says, "I, if for if I do wish to boast, I will not." For if I do wish to boast, verse 6, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I've reframed this so that no one will consider me beyond what he sees in me or hears from me. Here it is. Watch this. This is a preventative discipline given by God. Verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me, to prevent me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. A messenger from Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. I saw such wonderful things that if God hadn't sent this, I would be so proud and arrogant and boastful and say, "I got to see things you didn't get to see." And God says, "I cannot have you be boastful about what I showed you." So He allowed a messenger. We don't know if there was an eye problem, something to keep him humble, right? And something, and I don't know. Um, uh, you know what exactly, we don't know exactly what it is, but it prevented him from boasting. And so Paul had to suffer to keep him humble, and it wasn't a suffering because of punishment; it was a suffering to keep him dependent. Amen. Right. And sometimes God, we don't. Sometimes God brings us through trials and suffering that we have no explanation, and they may be preventive. You know, um, that's where the Lord says, "My grace is sufficient for you." And then the third, kind is, uh, the third kind is educational correction or discipline. Educational, that's the book of Job. Job is a righteous man. Satan comes to, to God and says, God says, look at Job. And Satan's like, yeah, he's only that way because you bless him. God says, okay, he's yours, but don't kill him. So Satan takes away everything, causes him to lose his 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 kids and his all his stuff. And the whole book of Job, they're just they're like trying to decide what's going on. Job has no idea that God's using him and teaching him and sort of using him as an example, and all of Job's friends come to him and say, Job, God is correcting you for some sin. You just don't know what that sin is, right? You must have done something wrong because the only reason why God corrects you is if you did something wrong. He didn't realize that this was a different purpose of God. Now, here's the thing suffering in and of itself is hard to bear, right? It's just suffering itself is hard to bear, right? Yep. Amen. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, and if it's intense, excruciating suffering, it's even worse because you're like, what's the point? But suffering with a purpose. Suffering with a purpose can be endured. How many of you guys are moms? How many ladies are moms? Okay. How many ladies in the house are moms? Okay. How many guys did, took the epidural? Okay. You suffered the pain of childbirth, right? You suffered the pain of childbirth. But that suffering was worth it because of what happened at the end, right? See, discipline is suffering with a purpose. Discipline is suffering with a purpose. And the purpose in childbirth is, of course, giving birth to your child. At the end of it, you have this beautiful child. If you're training for you know, a long race, a marathon, and you're suffering while you're training, or you're tr- suffering, but you're suffering with a purpose because you have this racing finish line in mind. If suffering is just because you're suffering for no apparent reason... That's hard to bear, but when you know there's a reason, it's easier to bear. And so what he's telling, back in Hebrews 12, he's telling them, your suffering is not without purpose, because God is doing something in you through that suffering. Now our flesh hates to hear that, doesn't it? I don't like to be in pain. And when I go through trials and tribulations, my first question is, God, where are you at? And what did I do wrong so I can correct it and get out of this? And sometimes it may be that God is putting you on display or teaching you how to lean on him more. Some it may be that he is teaching you and stripping away the fat, strengthening the tummy. And we just went hiking yesterday, so I got I feel a little maybe that he is he is he's disciplining you to train you to endure things you would not normally have wanted to endure. Maybe it's preparation for for a reason, you know. But we don't know; only God knows. But if you're his child, it's not for uh, it's not for mean purposes. I mean, look at look at Hebrews 12. He says, he says, uh, "Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines." In verse in verse six. By the way, when the Lord does discipline, it's with the most perfect love. Right. Uh, he even he, he says, uh me yeah, guys, remember when you're okay, listen, you're at a shopping mall, you're at a store, and there's some kid that's unruly, and you're like, that kid needs a spanking or that kid needs some discipline, because you recognize and maybe the mom is struggling, maybe you know her hands are full, who knows, or maybe he's you know but you know that but that if that child is under your care, you want you want to do what it takes to to correct them in such a way so that when they grow up to be adults, they're not selfish and causing trouble and, you know, you want them to, so you discipline them. It could be instruction, it could be spanking, it could be all that, but you're, because you do out of love. And and many times as he says, uh, look at verse 9, he goes, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and, and we respected them. And uh, he says in, um, Verse ten. They disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. Because, listen, you guys had parents that disciplined and trained you; they did their best. Now, some of us, maybe we had parents that disciplined us not out of love, maybe out of anger and frustration, you know. But they tried their best. How many guys? You know that. But they tried their best. With God, the Father, it's it's de- it's out of love, out of the purest motives and purest gentleness that He but he also knows how to do it in a way that's effective, right? And so when you're going through the suffering and the trials, it is, it's proof that he loves you. It's proof that he really wants to... He's got to use the tool of suffering and, and, and trials and, and tribulations to shape you. He wants to, to do something in your life and to mature you. And if the Son of God had to learn maturity through suffering... And we're not going to be exempt from that either. That's why I think it's funny that some people want to if you want to, like say in the physical, you want to get in shape. You can't get in shape by OK, I saw this video. This is an illustration. This is a video of uh, somebody who wants to get in shape, and so they have a treadmill that they're on. The problem is they're sitting down on the treadmill, and they have a little TV table. And they have a little TV right in front of their on the TV table with like a bowl of popcorn and chips, donuts, soda. I mean, they're on the treadmill. But they're not suffering. And they're not going to grow. They're not going to grow. It's, 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 it's funny. It, it's... it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> and the best teacher, and the best teachers are those who push you. All right? I'm, my mom's going to know. There's a teacher I had in seventh and eighth grade. He's got a Facebook page. This is how he's uh, Mr. Trackle. Remember Mr. Trackle, mom? Okay. So maybe you had a teacher like this. I remember a lot of my teachers, but this is the one. This guy would, this guy pushed you. Okay, seventh, eighth grade, it's like English. He taught English. And he was very strict, very challenging. He, I still remember to this day, everyone had to have a three-ring binder, had to be so, so many inches thick, had to be blue. You had to write in black letters exactly your name, the course, you know, okay. And then you had to have the ingredient inside was, you had to have dividers, you had to have a pouch with two blue or black pens, two red pens, pencils, reinforcements, you know the little circle things, the reinforcements, when you hole punch uh, a thing so that you don't rip it out, reinforcements, erasers. We had a whole list, right, because of all the handouts. That's just what we had, so he would check your book every day to see if he had that. And then that way he taught. Here's how he taught. First of all, around this room he had uh posters or um what do you call it, like poster board of the rules of English around the board. And he would make the whole class stand up and as, as if he was a drill sergeant, he would he would have you recite by memory the rules. And he also put him to 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 song, right? What's an adverb? When, where, how? Right? We learned that by singing uh, three, you know, to the tune of Three Blind Mice. When, where, how? When, where, how? When, where? <laughs> I am fifty-some odd years old. That was how many years ago, and I still remember. And then he would he would have you say again, 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 again. And he would, and then he would call on you, and you 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 pray to God that he did not call on you. <laughs> and if you were sitting down, he'd make you stand up and whatever the rule is for, for verbs or adjectives or whatever, the, you know, for, you know, whatever the, the, the rule is, he'd make you stand up. Nope, do it again. Do it again. Everybody stand up. And every single day, push, 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 push. push. I would cry doing assignments in this class. It was like going to, it was like you a know, young 18-year-old going to the Marines. He never had done a push-up in my life. That's how it was. He pushed you. It was grueling. It was eighth grade. Guess what? To this day, he just retired. There's a Facebook page. People from, there was, he had students from the 60s until just recently that every single one said, we, I could put all the rules. He, I remember every single rule he taught me. He's a fan club. This is back in Buffalo, New York, right? Why? Why is he the, why is he the best teacher? Why is suffering and discipline the best teacher? Because it pushes you to go farther, right? And if you're not pushed, you're not going to grow. And God allows you to uh to be pushed harder than you want. Now not in a mean way. Let's put it this way. His whole goal in that class was to teach you English. Right? To learn it. Not just to get by and to, to hide behind Sally there or behind Timmy and act like you're oh. He would see right through that, he'd stand you up and say, Reset those rules. Oh my goodness. That's what spiritual discipline is. It's pushing you more forward than you're, when you're tired and discouraged. It's, it's like, keep going. Uh, it's, 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 it's that struggling with the purpose. It's the struggling and suffering with the purpose because God, at the end, wants to produce in you a life that is righteous and holy. Look what he says in verse... I um, better put my glasses on here. He says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful by those who have been trained by it. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Go back to verse 10. For they, our parents, our dads, and their parents, moms and dads, they discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our benefit so that we may share his holiness. That's suffering with a purpose. If you want to walk holy, God's going to have to bring you through the crucible of suffering. Where he strips away your dependency on yourself. Where he strips away your reliance on junk, spiritual junk food, right? You know, when you're in trouble, you're, you know how it is, when trials come, your prayers become a lot more serious, right? They, they, that's, they get to the point, right? It becomes, it becomes God, I need to hear you. I need to hear you today. I need to hear... And God says, my grace today is for, My grace for you is sufficient, Paul. Please, Lord, let this. please take this away from me. Please let it pass. And God says, I am producing holiness in you, a righteousness in you, so that you, more and more, rather than depending on the flesh, are going to depend on me. And the flesh will resist that and fight against that. But God says, I've got to turn up the heat because guess what? The, the more you really say, Lord, I'm, I'm in pain here, I'm suffering, I don't understand, but my, I'm going to turn to your grace. And that's part of the training. God's discipline is, is denying the flesh when you've been fasting for 40 days and you want to eat. It's going the narrow, difficult, rugged road when everyone else is going the wide and easy path. Right. I felt good that we hiked the harder hike yesterday. You know why? Because it pushed us. And next time we go, some of us may be like, hey, I did that before, I'll do it again. All right? Now, bear in mind, some people have health problems, and you think, I don't want to, you know, go. You get the point. It's an illustration. Spiritual discipline is, is where God teaches us to wait longer, to believe what our eyes don't see, To follow him when we don't see how it's going to play out, teaching us to remain calm within the storms, whereas at first we would we kind of would freak out, and then as God disciplines us and teaches us righteousness and holiness, realize, just like the sun is able to, okay, the storm's raging, I'm going to trust the Lord, and the sooner we get to the point in realization, hey, this is this may be corrective, this may be. Uh, educational, or it may be preventive. whatever it is, God's purpose will be such that at the end, Christ-likeness will be produced in me, right? And we'll come back at the end of our days and look at God and say, I'm thankful for the... Think about this. I'm thankful for those difficult times. I'm thankful for a Mr. Treckler. I'm thankful for the rigors of of having to endure that because if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. So now you say, Lord, then thank you for using that in my life. And God will use all of that to shape you. So guess what? You can run. (laughs) But if he's your father, if he's your father, he's going to use that. And so he didn't spank you in, in, in... with, with He corrects you, but he doesn't do it out of spite. He wants to instruct you and train you to righteousness. Now there's three different responses, and I'll finish with this. Three different responses to, to God's discipline. One is to ignore it. Look what he says in verse 5. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. They regard lightly. It's a word to mean it means uh, it's a word allegorio. It's O L I G Oreo. Allegorio. <laughs> it means to esteem lightly, to look down on, to despise of, to make light of. And in one sense, it's almost like you get, it's like, God, why? And you get angry at God because he's bringing this trial, this suffering in your life. And so the first wrong response, the first response is to ignore or to to disregard it. Don't disregard it. The second one is on the other extreme is to be discouraged by it. Look what he says um, um, at the second part of that verse. So he says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint, there's the word, when you are reproved by him. So I one extreme is to sort of despise it and reject it. The other one is be sort of discouraged by it. Some of us are over here, right? Because we think that God is disciplining us with anger, and so that discourages us. And, that would, and so we say, well, God must hate me because I'm being disciplined, I'm suffering, and God's like, no, I'm, it's out of love that I'm doing this, and and there's and so there's a there's a, this, this discouragement. It means to lose heart, and if we interpret that God is doing it out of anger, of course it's going to lead up. So if we realize that God's doing it out of love, okay, then don't be discouraged by it because it's it's out of love. But the third thing, of course, is to of course embrace it and to endure it and to look to God for it. That's why he finishes up in look at chapter uh, look at verse twelve. that's why he finishes up with this. therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are that are feeble um, <clears throat> and uh and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather may be healed. He's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah <clears throat> and in chapter thirty five and in Isaiah, like from chapter thirteen to chapter thirty five or at the end there. He's teaching his people how to trust God, right? He's t- giving them lessons on trusting God in that section of Isaiah. And what he's doing here is uh, this with uh, chapter twelve. Uh, I keep see verse twelve. Sorry, verse twelve. He is um, he's giving them uh, the the positive consequences of trusting God. So he said, "Listen, if you're going through the suffering, the answer in verse twelve is to be encouraged." is to uh, which says strengthen uh, the hands that are weak. Uh, that's a figure that looks at um, those who are discouraged and feel helpless. And he says, let's, let's encourage one another. Basically, he's like, listen, those of you who are thinking about turning away, who are discouraged or, uh, 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 and, and at a place where they just want to give up in the trial, encourage those people to stay the path. That's what he's saying in verse 12 and 13. Straighten the, uh, the paths of your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, that speaks of healing, so the idea is if you the person that 's feeling discouraged, they want to give up, or the person that 's feeling like're um, feeling like overwhelmed, encourage them to stay the path because as they walk the path of God there's healing in walking that path that 's what he 's trying to say, so he 's encouraging these people hey don 't be discouraged don 't think that God is is harshly angry at you, but think that God is your Father who's loving you, who's disciplining you, who's training you to righteousness and walk holy living and strengthen each other, encourage one another, and be healed. I think I messed up how I said that, but you get the point, right? There's no option of giving up, basically. The option here is now encourage one another. That's why we come to church. We're here to encourage one another. That's why he later he says, don't neglect the meaning of yourself together because you're going to miss out on the blessing of being encouraged, of being loved on one another, you know? Because we're all going through it. We're all going through a walk that's life fit. I don't know where some of you guys are experiencing trials right now, have gone through trials and suffering, and you're at the point you want to give up, and, and God's like, I need, I'm going to bring people into your life to encourage you, you know? Because, because you've got to stay the course. I'm going to stop here, okay? And uh, we'll uh, we'll take the next section of chapter 12 next week. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you use suffering in our lives as a as a means of training and as a means of of disciplining us. And a discipline is is suffering with a purpose. And your purpose that you have in our lives is to make us into the image of Christ. To cause us to, to live righteously and holy, And Lord, whatever, however that looks like in producing that, Lord, we ask that your will will be done. Lord, I ask that you would help us. Maybe there's some of us who, when they think of discipline, they think of an angry dad. And uh, maybe somebody that's harsh. And God, you're not harsh, Lord. You are... You're strict, but you're also very loving, and you know what we need, Lord. And so continue the work that you've started in many of us, Lord, that you would create through the process a a gentle and quiet spirit, a trust in you, a, a peace instead of restlessness, Security instead of fear and and anguish, and that the signs of of maturity would come through. Continue to work in our lives, Lord. Pray that the work that you've started in us would be continued and complete. Until to the day we meet you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for, again, those who maybe are going through it or wondering where they're at. Lord, that you would reaffirm them of your love for them. When the Lord loves, he disciplines. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? I did not want to preach, teach that message. <laughs> it's hard to talk about discipline, you know. It's hard to talk about, but it's it's necessary, you know. It's God's word, and uh, the hard things are sometimes hard to hard to bear. But but God is He's good. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, remember this week. What do we have this week? Men's group Zoom meeting for Israel men's and ladies' meeting on Saturday at our house. Come on by. It's at 9 o'clock. We're have a wonderful time, discussion, fellowship, and fellowship, uh, and then Passover. If you haven't signed up, sign up today for the Passover. It's going to be on Good Friday, April 7th. Father, I just pray your blessing on my friends here. I just pray, Lord, that each one of us will come to know you as a as a good and gracious Father who cares so much for His children, that we are not illegitimate children, but but sons, heirs. And just as Christ learned obedience to the things He suffered, Lord, maybe look to Jesus for help, for courage, for strength, for understanding, knowing that He also went through it as well, and He resisted the temptation to quit and give in. Lord, help us to look to Christ. And Lord, I just pray that um, your hand would go with each one of us here, Lord, and those who may be watching online. In Jesus' name, may we bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make us... Sp- i lost my train of thought make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. That's his smile. And give you his peace. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. See you on Saturday or Tuesday.